0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Rogue Dad Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. And today I have a guest, Anthony Umia. We recently went up to the Homeschool Connection Conference up in Buelton, California, a little north of Santa Barbara. And Anthony was the keynote speaker. And I got a chance to sit down with him and a couple other people at the uh, convention. And. I uh, was lucky enough to get quite a bit of time with him, so this is our conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. And little warning: Anthony is a very soft-spoken guy, so every time he wasn't right in front of the microphone, uh, his voice gets a little lower. You might be a little—you might want to turn up the volume on this episode. So, without any further ado, Anthony Umia. What is going on, rogue parents, RVers, friends, family, my 12 loyal fans? <laughs> uh, I am at the Homeschool Connection Conference today, and I'm going to be talking to a few people, but one of the persons, one of the people I wanted to talk to uh, the most that caught my attention was Anthony. What's up, Anthony? How's it going, uh, Anthony, you gave a, um, first off, we're in Buellton, right? Buellton, California, at the Marriott?
1: Santana's, Buellton, yeah. Buellton,
0: Marriott. Uh, Marriott, Marriott. Uh, and we're at this conference, like I said, it's the Homeschool Connection Conference, so we're all parents or people who are giving presentations about homeschooling and everything like that, right? Yep. And you came up from Los Angeles?
1: Um, originally from Los Angeles, but live in San
0: Francisco now. Oh, lucky. Ah, uh, is it really though, right now? Is that lucky? I heard San Francisco kind of going down it, a little it's, bit. It's
1: been a mass exodus. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, that's man, amazing. that's a shame because I loved I lived in Half Moon Bay for a little while, uh,
1: okay. which is 26
0: miles south of San Francisco. There's and I used a to go.
1: There.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Dude, really? That's expensive stuff it's out there.
1: Beach
0: house. Okay. But well, San Francisco's beautiful, dude. It's it pretty progressive sense. up there, right? It makes sense that you're up there with a the homeschooling community and stuff, right?
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, decentralization of. The education system. Right,
0: right, right. Um, So your uh, presentation that you were doing on was neuroplasticity, right?
1: Yeah, neural mapping. Neural mapping. Creating a new world.
0: Right. By new world, you mean in your own head? Or
1: I mean, in physical reality, I mean, if we think about it, everything in our physical reality is, you know, starts off in the head, starts off in the mind. Right, right, you know, right. From this microphone, to our phone, to the table, to the screen, right. to the building around us started off as nothing more than a singular thought that was vibrating into existence.
0: So by changing your neural mapping, you mean you change what you believe is possible or yeah, exactly. believe what happened to you? Or? All of it. You can change all that. All of that. One of of the reasons why I'm interested in it is because, uh, like I mentioned before the podcast, we were talking a little bit. uh, I had a pretty rough childhood. I had a pretty rough go at things. Uh, Got in a lot of trouble when I was a young teen, young man. Uh, But I always... I knew what I was doing wasn't right. I always wanted to do more. I always wanted to do better. I I feel like a lot of it was circumstantial. Uh, But now that I have a kid I don't want to imprint all my fucked up shit in my brain on her new brain. You know what I mean? So the re- rewiring, the remapping, I know her map is half my map and half her mom's map. You know, she didn't get her map on her own. She inherited it from us. So the idea of rewiring and remapping is very interesting to me because I already see her having some of my traits of that I have that I don't like of myself. So if I can try to change those in her because I know what a, uh, a handicap they were for me growing up, that was kind of what interests me in your speech. Yeah
1: yeah. so I would say um, a bit of a challenging mark of like the genetic factor. her map is half you and half her mom. Um, I, I don't see it that way, right, even though okay. our, our genes right do, do state and dictate that? I don't believe that we are. Uh, you know, a factor a hundred percent of our genes, right? Our genes well and, change based on environment. And for sure, Bruce Lipton talks about that. Absolutely. So, like when I see children, and what I was speaking yesterday on the talk was about the neural mapping aspect. Is like we don't want to imprint our outdated maps onto our children. So, our, when our children are kind of coming out, they're pretty much a blank canvas.
0: Are they though? They don't
1: inherit anything from us, like certain things? I, I, don't, I don't believe so. And at least what, what I've seen, yes, yes, there are um, certain factors that influence, but everything is environmentally based. And the way that I see it is like our children are kind of like these, you know, new users of the earth, right? And the, the story that I told yesterday was a story about ways, you know, the, the map. I do. I love that
0: map. And let me tell you something. When you're telling that story uh, here in Buellton is the highway patrol office right down the street on industrial way and 246. And I trained a few highway patrols and they hate that app because it tells everywhere where the cops are, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's totally community based. So it's like if somebody passes that cop, then they say, yep, that's it. You know, it's the community that does, like you were saying, does the, the hard work for the software.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the, the way that they wrote the map application, Yuri Levine was talking about this, and um, when he was telling me the story, it was like they didn't write one line of code to, to build the map. Right. Right? It started off as a blank canvas. First user pops up to create data points. That data point you know, starts to draw the map. Right, right. Users start drawing the map. If there's 100 cars going one direction and on the other, it's a one-way street. But it's based on that one person drawing the map. The many people.
0: That, okay, but it had to start yeah. with one.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, I'm just trying to understand your thought of us not having anything on our canvas yet.
1: I mean, the children not having anything on their canvas right. is like, it's an, they're an open map. They're completely, they take in everything. So, they're not very yet expressive until... You know, they start developing how to interact with the world around them.
0: How do you know what to rewrite if there's... What are you rewriting then?
1: We don't rewrite that. We allow the children to develop and write and create their own map. Okay. So, our job is really to observe, facilitate, and yes, first, you know, mitigate harm. Right, 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 right. All life from childhood to adult is about mitigating harm. For sure. So with our children, we want to try to mitigate harm. But what happens is we, we limit our children's process in terms of actual learning because we're stopping them before they actually get to that moment of learning. Right? Jordan Peterson talks about how- Big fan. Every, yeah, I love, love all this stuff. So he says, you know, learning occurs when there's some kind of danger involved, right? Because that's how children actually learn. That's one of my favorite the, sound bites. The most critical, I love it. crucial points of learning is doing dangerous things carefully, carefully yep. right? Because that's how we learn the, the extremes of life versus with our children, don't touch this, don't do here, don't, don't do this, don't go right. in this direction versus allowing them to do that and stepping through that process with them. But it takes time. It takes yeah. attention. And
0: it takes, uh, honestly, when that's your school of thought. It takes a lot just to be cool doing that. That's just doing nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just letting her climb that tree even though like, shit, I know what it's like to fall off that yeah.
1: high. Uh, and you can be there at the, at the bottom. like Allow them to do it. So okay, that so that, that can, was
0: my next thing yeah. was I, sometimes my wife and I will get into a thing where she thinks I'm, I don't know if it's a helicopter parent or whatever, but if Rogue climbs something, I'm right behind her. And it's not that I'm trying to parent her activity or her fun, Uh it's just, if that hand slips, I'm gonna be there to grab it. Like, she's a daredevil, like I was, and I am still, uh, Ninja Warrior type shit. So when I see her do it, I know exactly how to make sure she doesn't fall and I know where to yeah, be there and when. Totally. Not that I'm trying to stop her from doing it. Yeah. That's not my aim. I just, like you said, I want to be there when she falls yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Uh, te- so it's so good. To, glad te- to hear you say that actually.
1: Teaching them to to fall when there's low risk, right? Like we're here in this room, right? Letting them climb yeah. the chair and fall off the chair onto the right. right? Like almost no risk. I was trying to teach your handstands
0: in there earlier. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) if they learn how to fall sooner, the better they're off, they're going to be. Absolutely. And you know, when I was teaching my kids to ride bike, right? Before we did anything else, we just sat on the bike and they fell a hundred times. Right. You know, I taught them to fall. teach them, you know, when you actually fall, what do we do? Get up and dance, (laughs) shake shake it off because this is the thing about fear. When children are afraid of something, they internalize it and kind of go in. And if we if we create and kind of propagate that fear, it enhances it for them a lot right. of times. Right. Totally. So I grew up as a child. I was like with a lot of my family when the kids got hurt. When we got hurt, like everyone would be like, yay. Yeah. You know, like Mexican family. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, we fall, we get hurt. And then the kids kind of like. Are confused for a second because I was like, "Wait a second, um, I, I think I should be hurt," yes. but everyone's cheering. And obviously, like if it's not a severe thing, like, for sure, for like sure. a broken arm or like a, a bone hanging out, right? right. Like, you know, blood and scrapes and scratches.
0: That is a, a big thing too. Of. Uh Learning that also on my own of when she would fall, I'd be like, oh, oh, oh and she would instantly start crying, and yes. then trying to not do that mm-hmm. and be like, hey, you're good, you're good, come on, get up, you got it, you yeah. got it, you're yeah. good, or not doing anything even, like yeah. seeing her fall and maybe scrape her knee a little bit or, and not saying anything, that even that changes her crying or her reacting to it in mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a cry. Way, yeah. you know, not, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to say crybaby, but you know,
1: reacting to it. Kind of like when you see blood, you're like, oh my
0: God, now it hurts. Yeah, because
1: most of the time, if we think about it, like the way that I see it, in terms of like a neurological perspective, right. pain truly only exists in the mind. Right. Pain. Pain doesn't happen at the site of nociception, right? Nociceptors send the signal to the brain. The brain says, oh, ouch, this should hurt. I should either, you know, move my hand away from the hot stove or right. or do something. So we interpret pain. That's why pain scales. Is, it's so subjective. You talk to so many different people, say pregnancy, for instance. Right. Some say it's the most, you know, excruciating, harmful, horrible, painful thing that they've ever gone through. And then you have people that are doing orgasmic birthing, yeah. and, you know, hypnobirthing where, you know, birthing is like the most beautiful. Wait a minute. I haven't heard of that one. Hypno birth. Yeah, yeah. Hypnobirthing.
0: Or like they go under, they're hypnotized while they give birth.
1: Uh, I mean, everyone does it differently, but okay. it's like, you're kind of getting in some like a hypnotic state Okay. You're, you're mentally kind of not there, you know, you're, you're removing yourself. to like focus on baby. Okay, so okay. when you focus on the on baby, you're kind of like detaching a lot of things to so like hypnotically get into the space that this is good. This is natural. This is our um, our bodies were made for this. This right. is exactly what we should be doing. This is the perfect environment. So that makes the pain
0: okay in your mind?
1: Exactly. Right. And that's why, you know, the pain subjectivity levels is at such a massive scale you know what a yeah. 10 for someone else could be a one for another person so it really only exists in the mind so yeah. if we allow ourselves excuse me and teach our children to kind of bypass that because most of it is just rooted in fear and if we step into that internalization of like oh my gosh this is a bad thing right 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 versus this is actually a really good thing. It's okay. It can hurt, but this is a good thing. So I always tell my children when right. they get hurt, I say, "Oh, good job. That was a that was a good fall. You know, good job. You you know, you caught yourself. So let's let's check it out. Let's look, see how it does. It changes their entire psyche. So this rewires them to not take the path of fear, rather the path of right. like it's a, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Well, because it, it is it is
0: hard to be okay with letting your kid get hurt yeah.
1: because
0: down in a nutshell, they're going to, but that's what it is when all you've ever been taught is,
1: oh, are you okay?
0: So it it, it is good to know that we're not, I'm not messing my kid up by doing that, making them stronger.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's something like there's extremes to everything, right? So we don't want to completely, um, necessarily diminish the pain. No, but like
0: you saying good fall. That's my big thing is, oh man, you rolled on that one good or waiting pick. I saw you kind of not fall as bad as you could have or whatever. That could have been worse. Good catch. So that, that was more along the lines of what I was relating to when
1: you're saying that, and yeah, it, it helps a lot because they, they need, they need both. They need the empathy to understand that their experience is real Yeah. without moving into the space where it's kind of enhancing negatively in a fearful space right. that something happened, right? We can look at ourselves as victims or look at ourselves as life is happening for us, right? Right. My, my daily mantra the last 10 years has been the universe is always conspiring for our best interest at all times, whether we believe it or see it in the moment or not. And you want to say that again a little slower? <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, the universe is... Okay always conspiring for our best interest at all times, whether we see it or believe it in that moment. Nice, I like that. Because you did say it
0: like you've been saying it for 10 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's my daily thing that I tell myself, my mantra, the universe is always conspiring for my best interest at all times.
0: So by rewiring or mapping the brain, what are some of the tools that you do or what what are some of the exercises you do or what's your, your whole thing?
1: I mean, it, it, it really depends, it, it's a case by case basis, and this is something that I love about homeschooling is because there's not one size fits all. It really depends on where the person is, where the child is, where the adult is, you know... All of it. All of it. All of it. You have to come to that, that connection, that individual connection, kind of like one-on-one to see, okay, what is someone seeking and what is someone um, searching for? And who is in your space that has something to offer. Right. So when you get into that symbiotic synergistic exchange with another human being, like to me, that's the essence of life. And
0: someone in your space that has something to offer.
1: Yeah. Okay. And what I have to offer to someone and what someone else has right, to offer. right. I mean, right it's right. that synergistic symbiotic right. exchange. We don't want to just be there you know, taking, 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 taking. Reciprocating. And we reciprocate. Right. And if we can step into that, that state of every moment is a different moment, right? We're exchanging in this way right now. We're both operating at a certain frequency, but next week that might be completely different. Right. right, right, you right. Know, we're in a different space and it's like, I might be um, more open to what you have. You might be more open to what I have different things pop up in terms right. of how we're relating to each other. But that, that essence is that, you know, person-to-person interaction that we that we thrive off of as humans. That's what makes us human.
0: So that, um, do you do any uh, severe cases of trying to, like does anybody, so how does somebody get a hold of you or like, what do you mean? like? Who's your clients or who's your students? Or is, are you so, doing this all on your kids? I really,
1: I operate in the private. Okay. Um, I just do everything I, I do is like pretty much just person to person volunteer. work. Right. Like I just offer my, my time and I like to, you know, barter and trade and exchange. Right, I right, like right. to think, to just give, I'm here to give. I'm here to give. If you have something else that you'd like to reciprocate, that's great. Right. right. Um, I would say, based off your question, like, the most uh, severe case, I would say, is like, the severity wasn't very high, but it was such a short time that I was working with um, this child of four or five years old, and uh, it was part of our forest school group. And the mom and dad, we were at a Christmas party, I think, and they were saying how all of a sudden, out of nowhere, their child, like, just started limping and, like, he, he couldn't bend his leg. His leg would not bend, and he was limping like crazy, and it was going on for a few weeks, and she was like, we've taken him to the doctors. Um, I think they did x-rays, and they were looking and doing exams and trying to figure out what it was, and they said that they've tried everything, and they don't know what it was. No injuries or anything? No injury. Okay. And I and I and that was the first thing I asked. Did he fall? Did he this? And this? And no, not at all. Nothing. He, he just one day woke up and was limping and saying that his leg was hurting. Yeah. So this kid was in our forest <clears throat> school group, and... I like Are to you saying four? Forest. Forest. Forest school. Okay. So we, we do a little um, Waldorf. Yeah, outdoor, yeah. Outdoor schooling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the kids, and so this kid was um, one of the kids in our group. And I just, you know, I asked permission from the mom if she'd like me to like work with him a little bit. And just throughout the day, um, you know, he was struggling because he couldn't really walk. So we were either having to carry him, but then I started working with him. And there's this moment of when, when children can acknowledge that there's something going on and then there's a moment of kind of like dissociation where they forget about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what I started doing with him cause I was really trying to figure out, I was, you know, running a lot of tests on his legs, on his sacrum, on his spine. Cause there could be some like, you know, neurology or the, the
0: nerve the, damage, something
1: not necessarily nerve damage right away. Yes, it's a possibility, but with, you know, it just having like a sudden onset with no macro trauma, no major issues like that. um, I was like, there's got to be, you know, some other slight neurological thing that it just turned on, turned off. Okay. Um, And I don't know how he's associating it. So he had trouble kind of like verbalizing anything about it. So I was like, okay, let me test his limits. right? Right. For me, life is all about kind of pushing the boundaries because pushing the boundaries is actually going to check, hey, wh- where does this cup actually end? You know, why, why right. is the water being held there? If I'm just holding it in my mind, I should be able to push through it. But if I never actually touch it to feel that the cup is actually there, then I'm just going to envision that the water is being held by, by nothing. Right. So I'm kind of pushing the boundaries to see like, okay, um, what hurts, what doesn't hurt? Um, When can he bend his knee? When can't he bend his knee? Then I put him in different scenarios. Okay, so we started, I started doing things like on rocks. I started, you know, holding him where he would keep it locked. But then if I was assisting him and we were um, like bending down together, he would bend his knee if I'm holding his weight. So then I started helping him like jump from rock to rock. And all of a sudden he's moving like as if nothing happened. I'm holding him the whole time. Right. But then the second I let go of him, he reverts back to it. So, so was, like
0: abandonment issues or something? Or? Mean, it,
1: it could... I don't know about abandonment, but there's some kind of like support or something right. happening where there's like he feels that he needs something else to ground in. Right. So right. I did my best to try to neurologically associate that he has that power within him. The, the thing that... Totally made it disappear was I start I, I did a little dinosaur walk with him so I said <laughs> like a little
0: t-rex arms I did
1: a little dinosaur walk right. and I said okay and I did it with all the kids right um, so I had I had everyone like turn into their favorite dinosaur and I had them walk forward I had them walk to the side I had them walk backwards and all of a sudden he became a dinosaur right and he started doing the dinosaur walk and the limp went away okay right and then so that, that day, um, I saw him progress like right. instantly. Right, right. And then I get a text from the mom the next morning. She's so like, I don't know what you did, but it's like, it's totally gone. Man. Yeah. Like, I really didn't do much other than help to pay attention to what's actually happening. Right. I don't even need to know what's actually happening because his body knows. And if I can try to tap into where his body has a boundary or a block, could be mental, could be, you know, physical and neurological, but he's the only one and his body is the only thing that actually knows yeah. how to get around that and how to facilitate healing in that space.
0: Right, right. There's uh that's an interesting thing too. I I know you don't know this a lot about me, but I have uh, like a, a fitness background. I did a lot of fitness and I did a lot of. I think you said. Went to school for that, yeah. Uh never finished. I wanna make that clear. I didn't finish school. <laughs> but that's what I was going to school for. Uh but uh that's I think that's one of the things that helps me more than anything in being a parent, because 'Cause I'm forty seven, I'm a new dad, my daughter's five. So I was well into my forty not well, but forty two when I had rogue. Uh-huh. Uh 40 when we got married, like I, I was a late bloomer to all of this. So the homeschooling thing is really hard for me. It's really hard for me, uh, especially because this weekend or or this week, I keep thinking it's a weekend. Uh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, Uh, this has been the first experience I've had seeing my kid around other kids for longer than an hour at the park. Uh Like, unfortunately being homeschooled, she doesn't have a lot of friends. She doesn't have a lot of interactions with other kids. Uh, than her cousin and maybe like a couple family friends that she sees regularly. Yeah. And that breaks my heart because some of my coolest memories were at school. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard thing for me to come to grasp with is that she's going to miss out on a lot of that stuff. But at the same time, we're able to give her attention that nobody else can give her. I'm able to do things with her that no, my parents never did with me. I'm, I'm already two years better than what my dad did. He left when I was three. Yeah. I, like I'm already, Doing it different than he did, uh, good, good, so good. yeah, yeah, totally, man. Uh, thank you. But the uh, it's it's a really really hard thing to grasp when you're from the old school and it's you you were taught that way for and now there's relatively I don't want to say homeschooling is new because they were doing that when I was a kid but it was very very far and few between when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe two kids in the neighborhood and they were siblings. And it's it really is hard to come to grasp with a lot of these things, but my point in saying that um, being around other kids and Rogue for a longer period of time of seeing her interact and seeing other homeschool kids, it's unfortunately made me aware of there's things going on with my kid that I didn't understand. Uh, and I that's where I was thinking she inherited some of those things from me, and I'm starting to see them surface. And... Uh, I talked to my wife about it. And she was saying like, yeah, no shit. I've been telling you this, but there's, it's not that I didn't want to know. I just wasn't picking up on the signs, I guess. Like yeah. they, to me, the thing she was doing was funny, but I didn't have anything else to compare it to. Yeah. Uh, so like she hums when she walks. I found out my wife did some research on that, that like, she's just trying to cut out the clatter in her head and focus and concentrate and i've seen a couple other kids here kind of along the same lines and this has been a uh i guess it's a good thing and bad thing because now i know there is something to work on where i didn't know there was something before i just thought it was my eccentric funny kid and i know that in society there's certain ways to behave and there's certain things that you you want a person to do, like no outbursts, uh, you know, being nice to other kids and that type of stuff. That I, I haven't seen it. This is the first time I'm seeing this. So, she,
1: from what I've been seeing, she's like thriving. This no, 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 no,
0: I hear you. But sure. she like, tried to take toys from kids. Like, there's some things I know you saw her on the ads for, and she's a, she's a savage. Like, and that was my thing too about remapping and doing everything. I feel like the things that she got from me is what is making her react the way she is in certain situations. Like, I, I was an angry kid. You know, I did fighting, MMA, all this stuff. Uh, and I'm just getting better as an adult. Be- Honestly, because of her. I didn't have to be better. I was a bachelor. I didn't have to be good for anybody. That's, that, I, and it sounds shitty, and I know it sounded shitty coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> I just heard myself say it, but it's true. I didn't have anybody to take care of but myself and my dog. Yeah. So I lived a very selfish life. A very uh, selfish is the only word I can think of so now because I have a kid and I know the way I was behaving and why I'm behaving these ways aren't right I want to change that cycle for her but I'm worried that she was born with some of it and that's my remapping thing I want to get those things out of her, her quick to anger her quick to leaving situations like I was an outgoing kid until I started getting in trouble and now I'm that weird adult that wants to sit by himself, but really wants to go over there and talk to people. Uh-huh. But, and I see that with her, like in the room with all the kids, she wants to go play, but when we get there, she's off in the corner by herself. So I'm starting to see a lot of the things in myself and her this weekend, and that's why talking to you about maybe rewiring or remapping that, those things I think are her handicap, yeah, you know?
1: It's just exposure, right? So we are products of our environment. Right. And the more exposure that we have to something, the more comfort that we'll get. In each scenario, we'll learn more about ourselves in different scenarios, and that's where growth—that's where growth occurs. Right. I, I, I kind of live by the philosophy um, of micro extremism for macro balance. Micro extremism from macro balance. Yeah. Okay. So, if you, it's a little bit of gnarly for a lot uh, of balance. It, it's about the p- pushing the boundaries, right? right? So the micro extremism is like, it, I look at life as kind of like this, this teeter totter, right? Life is like this, this scale of life where if we're just standing in the middle and we have balance, right. perceivable balance, that's to me, that's stagnation, right? That's not, movement. Movement is the fundamental basis of life from the smallest subatomic particle to the greatest cosmos. Movement is the fundamental basis of life. So nothing stays still. we need to be moving, right? The, the only constant in life is change. Right. So all too often we live under the premise of trying to mitigate harm, right? So we have this concept of, well, let's not go over here because we don't want to get hurt. We're afraid of it. Well, let's not explore here because we don't want to
0: right, know, right, right, right. have discomfort.
1: So we kind of create this, this bubble Around us, we we ide- idealize this like perceivable sterile environment, and I think that is yes, that's a good point dehumanizing. Yeah, right. Um, I could talk about where that comes from with Pasteur and Antoine Bechamp, Like we're living in the wake of okay. Louis Pasteur and pasteurization. Like the idea that that germ theory versus terrain theory. That could maybe be a different okay. podcast. But, no, I'm, I'm happy it. But you know, germ theory states that germs are bad. Terrain theory says no germs are necessary and good in order to build, right. you know, our own, you know, internal autonomous yep. health and intelligence.
0: Yeah, our own immune system and so, our own.
1: Yeah, so life is like in my my vision and how I see it is like, well, I'm gonna kind of push the extreme. Oh, okay, that's a little too far. Let me come back. To right, situation. right, right. And I get into this beautiful like balance of life where I'm like dancing through life. And then you get to the point where you keep pushing boundaries and you realize like, oh shoot, I can actually like flip my world totally upside down. <laughs> Life becomes This, this like ebb and flow of dance. And it's like all the perceivable boundaries that I thought were there really truly only exist in my mind. Yeah. Like we can push through those boundaries. So it's like, I believe in the concept of like micro extremism. I need to, you know, something's going to be so extreme. But then when you actually get there, it's like, oh, it's, it's actually not really what I <laughs> chalked it up to to be or what people told me that it was or yeah. it was, you know, not not good or this and that. So I think, you know, allowing giving people the safe enough environment, especially children, the safe enough environment to help them push boundaries on their own.
0: Yeah. That that's a hard thing too. Is yeah. not I had mentioned uh, fitness or anything, and I I don't think I finished my train of thought, but that's one of the things I lean on most when I'm parenting, Uh is because I taught MMA to little kids, and I've seen people at their worst and come up from it. Mm -hmm. You know, literally get knocked down and get back up and find that spot in their heart, in their soul that lets them get up, and I help instill that, Mm -hmm. you know, through training and through practice and working out. And I lean on my trainer, hat so much because like you just said, um, like, ah, oh man, what was it? Allowing them to, uh, that last thing you just said, the way you put allowing
1: it, allowing them to explore and push their boundaries,
0: push the boundaries, yeah. push the boundaries and explore. and in, in, in that hurt, explore the pain, explore you like, go you know what I mean? You gotta go deep.
1: Yeah. You Don't gotta to go deep
0: it. into it to know how far you can push it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you were saying how the pain levels, like I, People can't understand why I can get punched in the face and just like, oh, not a big of a deal, you know? But if I get kicked in the shin, that's a big deal. You know, I know the average person doesn't know that, but there are definitely pain levels. man. Oh, yeah. There's definitely levels to like getting hurt.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about too, I mean, not that we're done with this, but uh, the sustainable community farm thing. That you wanted to do.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You want to talk about that a little bit about and, or a little bit about that and how does that fit into everything else? Is that how you're going to be rewiring people's brains through like the farming and that kind of stuff? Or? I mean, I
1: think people are already doing that, right? And right. at least everybody that I talk to in, in uh, the education realm and even a lot of the, the dance world and dance realm that I, Oh yeah. You're also a dancer to, um, in our holistic wellness paradigm. Like everyone has the same ideologies and the patterns that I see is us returning back to our roots, like returning back to what it means to be human. We've gone so far into this capitalistic, consumeristic, corporatism world that is just tech driven. And I understand tech is a great thing to get information and to get data and to learn into to amass knowledge, but that's all cerebral, that's all here. We've lost so much of touch of reality of what it actually means to be human through movement and how there's healing in movement. There are so many modalities that, that we can utilize, anything from you know yoga, dance, even sound healing, right? Sound healing is movement, like vibrating the energy and the sound waves around us. Right
0: now my chick just kinda got a little tingle yeah. Right, you saying sound <laughs> movement. <Yeah. laughs> My wife's all into that too. The sound baths and stuff. She, like, she does that. She does yeah. mushrooms retreats with girls out in Venice and they do sound baths and stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's
1: like it's tapping into that that space where we have to feel what it means to be human. What is our essence? What is it that we're actually doing? And I think naturally it only goes to one space, which is you know rewiring how we think because we've...
0: Sorry for interrupting the podcast, everybody, but I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor, Body Buds Balm. Body Buds is a THC, that's right, THC infused balm that's made with just four ingredients. Body Buds is made with a 50-50 shea butter to coconut oil blend, a little bit of beeswax as a thickening agent, and your choice of essential oil, eucalyptus, coconut, lavender vanilla, and my favorite, honey almond. Body Buds is made in small batches with a cup to cup ratio, so that means that for every cup of butter oil base that goes into the infuser, a cup of organically grown premium flour and trim is also put in. Bottom line, it's strong. And you know from listening to the show that I've been doing MMA and going to gyms for years. I got all kinds of pains and aches, and I can attest. After trying CBD, Advil, Biofreeze, that Body Buds Balm will be a game changer for your pain management. I also gave a jar to a friend that had psoriasis, and I'm not saying it cured her psoriasis, but I am saying that it took the pain and itching away, which meant she wasn't scratching it and that allowed it to heal. So check them out. Go to www.bodybuds.com. That's body B-U-D-D-Z. You can also find them on Instagram at BodyBudsBomb and on Facebook. BodyBuds, it's the bomb. And now, back to the
1: podcast. Yeah. I'm saying, um, Rewiring how we think. Sound baths. Think. Yeah, so it only goes to one place with rewiring how we think. And that's because if we're able to step into a space where I can actually kind of detach from all of my programs and start from scratch I'm not starting from scratch truly right you know
0: yeah that was my thing of kids being born with they're not born like with scratch you know what I mean that was kind of my thinking yeah but okay go ahead
1: but I mean it is based on environment like we are products of our environment right right right. and yes there are certain genetic factors and and predispositions that uh, might correlate through their lives, but through epigenetics, you know, we know even like pluripotent cells or single cells, if you put them in a different Petri dish, it's going to become its environment, right? You know? So we we literally are just products of our environment. And if we can detach our, our ego and association with what we know and start operating from the, the space that, well, I might not know, there might be something else to learn. So were you raised homeschooled? I was not. Actually. So
0: were you LA unified school district, whole type in, shit? I was
1: in private school, a private. private Christian school my whole life. Whoa, which, private Christian, yeah. man. Yeah, okay. Which is very, you know, rigid, yeah. uniform. Is that why you're church. choosing to go this way?
0: Or did you see somebody else's example first? What
1: set me down this path was during my, my doctorate program, I started meeting these like just solid, solid people that I think, so I started meeting these like super solid people that were like top of the class, but more than just like top of the class. When you were doing your doctorate? Yeah, during my doctorate. Um, More than just the top of the class, like grade wise, but they were just like, incredible human beings, like so well rounded, yeah, so solid, so respectful, so courteous, so grounded in their essence. And I started seeing these patterns, right? It's like, okay, I I would find out and talk to them and get to know more about them. And all of a sudden, I started realizing like, the pattern is like, all of these people are like homeschool. Yeah. And it's like, they were raised from their essence of the people that cared about them the most on Earth. Yeah, know? and I started seeing this. Okay, what? It, Invaluable. This homeschooling thing, right? And um, I was at the time like starting to think about having children and raising children, and we had a little daycare, you know, child development center on our on campus, and it, that's what opened up my my door to start looking into education, and to me, it just made sense because. I struggled so much in school right up until I'd say up until about fourth grade, I was on like principal's honor roll and like the, the, you know, academic scholar, this and that. And then right around third or fourth grade, I started becoming more social and like I got into sports and hobbies and activities and like, I was just always bored in class. So I started getting in trouble and you know, I, they started sending me to the office and then I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. And it's like, I went through this whole cycle of like taking medication, you know, sit down, you can't talk. and I was just bored out of my mind. I was completely bored in school. And it's like, I started realizing in my older age, it's like, we're not supposed to be just sitting down for eight hours, six hours a day. For sure. Like, Like a fucking job. It really it is. Yeah. And the more that I learn, it's like okay, yes, the whole you know indoctrination program of our education system was predicated based off of you know Henry Ford's production yep. line and creating the industrial revolution batch work making process. good little factory
0: workers and soldiers. That's exactly. all they cared about. Exactly. Have you ever seen a video of like 1950 PE class? No. Like old PE classes, no, no, no. dude. They like stand on their number. They're all wearing shorts and they're all thin. There's not a heavy kid in the class, like they're all, and their basic stuff was, it looked like military. Yeah. They had to run, jump over a wall, yeah. monkey bars, crawl under something, you know, it's gnarly. I was like, man, they're breeding soldiers exactly. from like elementary school. Yeah, and uh, if not
1: military, it's like, you know, emulating or mirroring the prison systems. Yeah. Right. With yeah, yeah. You know, the, the school buses. For sure. The, the gates and the cages around, and you only get 15 minutes Recess, yeah. like, once or twice a day with a 30 minute lunch and you know bells and bells, bells and, yeah totally time.
0: man uh, and that has made it hard for somebody who's raised in it to break from that yeah. even though like man what you're saying reminds me of like I never understand people who were hit as a kid that hit their kids mm. to me that is just so foreign to me that you know how horrible it was to you, you know the damage it still is doing to you, and you're gonna do that to your kid, like it blows me away that that's even a thing in human beings. Uh, just the thought of somebody hitting my kid it kills me. But, uh, so I can't imagine why if our school systems go, oh, well we were raised, like none of us liked it, why do they keep perpetuating it? Why is homeschooling and individualizing education catered towards a specific kid so out of the norm when it's proven to be far superior to the old model?
1: Because people are afraid of it. People are afraid of the open, um, the open, the, like, freeness the freeness of it. Freeness of it. Yeah, that's people, been one of my hard things. People is people need you know, something tangible. Otherwise they kind of lose their mind. Right. Yeah, That's what a lot of government structures do is they kind of provide this false sense of security. Right. And then, you know, they, the government feeds off of it. Right. Right. right? And they, they, the government feels that they are necessary and humans can't operate without them.
0: I mean, structure has its place. I mean, it's helped me, uh, do things. I, I know my grandfather, Raising me on the farm and like go to work, go to work, go to work as instilling me a work ethic
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is just overflows into everything I do. If I'm going to do something, if George likes it, then he's going to fucking do it mm-hmm. like to the full extent.
1: Discipline.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can appreciate that aspect of it. But one of the things that I've really had to come with grips with is like. And my, I, I got to give my wife credit because she's steadfast and holding to. Well, Rogue's not ready to learn that yet. Rogue isn't, doesn't want to learn that. I'm going to teach her the things she wants to learn first and
1: then we'll start teaching yeah, the other things exactly. that she needs. Yeah. If and, she's in tune with, with that right, and, and like, you know, she's reverberating that from Rogue and Rogue is, is there, right. then I think that's okay. I do see a lot of parents who say the same thing. So-and-so is not ready for this. But a lot of times it's their influence that's affecting it. Right, Because right. I, I like to, to push back on
0: that So I wouldn't Well I, I don't want to say not ready for it But uh, she doesn't want to learn that right now Yeah Like exactly. she's into, she's into the science right progress. now We're going to stick with science Because I'm, I'm all like What do you mean she doesn't know how to spell this yet Like the 10 other kids and all the kids I knew When they yeah, were her age yeah. Knows how to spell that How does she not know yeah. how to spell that yet And she's like well she knows these things That these other kids don't know yeah, We
1: can't compare cause Right science. And we it's
0: Right, right, right. And that has been a really hard thing for me to accept, yeah. to be comfortable with, because you want your kid to not just be equal, but be better than other kids. There's just something in your head that wants the your kid to be the best drawler, the best joke teller, the best athlete, the best... I'm not, I'm not there. No? No. no Man, no. As for me, I, I, I do. I want her to be at least, maybe not the best, but at least competent... Yeah, you know, I, I do want that. So everyone's
1: competent in different things. You're right, yeah. and she has
0: an amazing memory. Yeah, she can watch a TV show like two times and know everyone's dialogue, like type Rain Man type. So I wasn't yeah. Rain Man. That's horrible. But
1: they're sponges it, 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 They there are. They are. Man, she has a yeah.
0: huge memory, and um, I just, you know, there's certain things that uh, well, math yeah. and stuff that she doesn't like. That I would like she'd her be better at. You know. And, so
1: what I was going to, you know. Uh, Push back on was someone might not be ready. Um, So I'll I'll take Rogue and your wife, for example. Um, Not saying that that it's good, good. good, bad, or right or wrong. Right, right. Um, You know, the mom is saying, your wife is saying that that Rogue isn't ready for um, a certain math equation. Right, right. It could be that that environment, that relationship is not good. Not, 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 I'm sorry, not the relationship between the two of them, but just for that topic. Right, right. Your, your wife is not the person that, um,
0: needs to teach her needs that, needs to teach her that. Yeah. Thing, yeah right.
1: Yeah. Say you put her in, her, in a different position, right. different scenario, different environment with someone else who has a different understanding of this same exact math problem. Right. Um, hypothetically speaking, and all of a sudden she, she's ready, right? So. I don't look at readiness as like a time factor or an age factor. It's it's completely an energetic factor, right? right? Right. Yes, time could be as well, but time is always like on the scale of you know flux. We're constantly moving forward yeah. in time, and I really think it's more than just time, but it's actually the environment. For sure. So, being able to understand, like truly understanding the self-directed. Learning process and helping our children to understand that. Like yeah. yes, you might want not want to do this right now, but you can always try it later on, or you can always you know try it first, see how you like it. Right? That was something I did in my talk yesterday. Was uh, with my kids. How many I do you eating have? Eating two, two, four, and six. Boys, uh, girls. Two boys. Okay. Yeah, Gio and Leo. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I always operate on the you know, let's try it. Because they kids are always gonna say, Oh, I don't like this or oh this is gross or yeah. oh I don't want this. But a lot of times it's just because they want their own autonomy. They want to be able to choose. And you know, when presented in a society that is like sugar driven, candy driven, you know, this and that, a lot of kids don't eat healthy. And I hear so many parents saying, Well my kids won't eat this and my kids don't eat this. Well, okay, one, are you eating that way? And then two, are you helping to facilitate to make it engaging? Right. Because it's our job to facilitate an engaging environment to show the children. My kids, like 80% of our, our diet is like, you know, veggies and fruits and, you know, whole, whole foods. Right. And as it should be. Yeah. They're eating that. They, and they love it. Broccoli and cauliflower and eggplant and cucumbers and tomatoes and like they eat all of it and they love it and they ask for it and we go to the store, it's celery. They eat, They love to eat celery by itself. And You're make lucky. Celery. <laughs> but I mean, it takes work. It does, right? it does. So we have to set the environment and and not listen to our children's, you know, fears when they don't know something, right? Well, anytime that we try a new food and they say, I don't want to try it. I say, well, let's try it. If you don't like it, you can go spit it out this gives them the autonomy. Spit it
0: out, I'm gonna have to use that one. Because yeah. I've done the exact same thing, I've been like, okay, well, let's just try it. Yeah. I know you don't, you're don't. you saying you don't like it, but you've never had it, Yeah. so you don't know that you don't like it, yeah. and uh, I, I think I'm gonna start throwing out the option of, if you don't like it, you can spit it out. Exactly, yeah, because okay.
1: they, they, they want to have their autonomy. It's, right. it's our job to give them that autonomy. Yes, it is your choice, but if you're limiting yourself, that's gonna diminish their experience. Right. Our job is to help them gain more experience. That way they can really learn knowledge through the the assessing of their own data. Right, right, right. they right. don't get the data. It's not influence. It's not. Yeah, they, they can't actually it's relate own to it. It's, it's only in their mind. Right. So I always say, if you don't like it, you can spit it out. You
0: know? Yeah, I even tell her, I'll be like, man, if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. But just try it. Yeah. But I think the spitting it out. Because I, I found that you have to do, there's little nuances of twist of, like, getting her to do things. One thing my wife has uh, put me up on, I I wish she would follow it more, too, and we're going to get in trouble for saying that, but is giving her (laughs) options. Like, oh, you don't want to wear these? Well, you can pick this one or this one. Yes, exactly. You know, and she's... Her doing that, showing me it, it's helped me with dealing with Rogue. Uh, I just wish Teresa would go
1: back to doing that with her. (laughs) Yeah. There's always, like, two two or three options, and, like, I, I like to operate first on, like, can they create something from their own? Do they have an idea on their own? If right. they don't, then we can offer options based off of what we think might be best. Right, right, right. Knowing that it's not my way or the highway, you know? Yeah, yeah. I that's give dad, uh, I give my dad a lot of shit about this because I always grew up with the saying, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like he would always say something that he thinks would be the best, but he didn't follow his own advice. So I was always like, well. But then why? Why would I do? It yeah, yeah, totally. Not, if you're not doing,
0: it? are you hip to uh, Bluey, the cartoon Bluey?
1: Oh, I've, I've, he- I heard of it's that. Shillian Blue Healer.
0: Recently. It's a, a, a cartoon about yeah. a dog. She's a girl. It's a, her and her sister. Uh, but the dad says, um, they go, why do we have to do it? Because he's telling her to do something. I think brush her teeth or something. Uh-huh. And he says, because I'm bigger than you. And for the longest, man, when I watched that cartoon with my kid, I was like, oh my God. All my dad, all my uncles, they, that was their answer to me. <laughs> like, watching that cartoon with my daughter was like this weird therapeutic moment of like, man. Like, and then I told myself right there in that moment, I'm like, I'm never going to tell a rogue just to do something because I'm telling her to do so. it because I said so. Like, yeah. I got it. I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read the book, uh, Parenting from the Inside Out? I don't think so. No. So it's all about understanding why your parents did things to you Uh and helping you figure out why you might be doing them to your kids, you know, type thing. Uh, But it was a very good book. I highly recommend it if you, uh, but it's kind of about, that. that's kind of what started this whole path of me trying to rewire my legacy. Yeah. Like my, my bloodline. I know, uh, I feel like it's in her temper, most of all that she gets from me. Uh, but my wife's Mexican, so it could be hers, yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: know about that one. But, uh, yeah, no, do we can, you? We
1: can teach them, like, you know, going, going through that to not, you know, to, to feel it without necessarily expressing it all the time.
0: And do you have any advice having, on?
1: Also having an environment where they can express it, like letting them know there are certain places where you can express these certain feelings. But I've, I've found that through talking it out with them, it, it helps immensely, you know, like yeah, nine times out of 10, it kind of is able to diminish it, especially if you can bring, you know, a little humor to it. That's and, my uh, and like, my forte, my MO. You know, you, uh, you match with them a lot of times and it, it depends, like their, their reality or their experience a lot of times um, is, is their reality. But it can be very grossly misperceived based off of actual reality of what's going on, right? So, for instance, my partner was telling me, driving back of the four kids, um, that one of the kids dropped a tomato, and the other kid started like screaming and yelling and like all of this stuff. And it's like, what happened? Like, did someone get punched, and was there like an, an eye gouge, or did someone because the tomato was everywhere, and then um,
0: <clears throat> or just because the scream
1: because the, there was a scream, okay, she yeah. was crying. So they were screaming and it was like, well, that's not something to really be screaming about. Right, 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 right. So we can kind of help facilitate our children to understand a certain expression doesn't need to be this big of an expression for all of the things when there's something that doesn't go your way. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Everything's so say, dramatic when exactly. you're a kid. Yeah, so I try to diminish, you know, I still acknowledge and, and empathize with them, right? Diminish the extreme behavior to say, Hey, that that's not that's not necessary. Yeah. Right? You you are okay right now. Okay, and helping them to understand that they are in a safe space. They are okay. Because the more that they can realize that they truly are in a safe space, especially with an attached um, you know, a healthy attachment with a parent right. or a grandparent or someone who is a, a significant um, adult in their life, caregiver, understand first that they're in a safe environment. Then learn to assess what is the actual scale of harm? What is actually occurring? So we talk to them and ask, what, what do you feel? Are you hurt? Can you show me where it hurts? Because again, with kids, they have trouble... Um, really explaining where it hurts because a lot of the times it's just in their mind they create this pattern and if we perpetuate that and and propagate that it's going to become more and more real and it's going to then become a disservice for them
0: right 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 because then it becomes the way they think all the time exactly
1: so like, for instance, like, um, the thing that pops up right now is, is the, the kid that's limping, right? Right. That's a pretty, you know, major thing where it looks like something's severely wrong with him. But... I
0: just... When you told that story afterwards, I was like, I feel
1: like his dad
0: probably pushed him off a swing or something. Like, didn't catch him on the swing or accidentally off a slide or something. Something playful. Like, cause just you holding him, taking that away. I feel like somebody dropped him or something, you know? Like, something... That was my diagnosis.
1: I mean, yeah, they, both of the parents... They were both there they both said they have no idea where it came it from and just like it just happened maybe it happened
0: a long time ago and it's baby and it's just coming out yeah I mean <laughs> you know? honestly yeah I mean, yeah
1: we, we cycle through things in our body. Well, that our was analogy.
0: the thing I was thinking about have you ever heard the theory of like your ancestors getting eaten by an alligator and then now you have this un uh, this crazy fear yeah. of, of like uh, what do they call that uh, I think you said it where it gets passing through cells. You said the word?
1: Uh, Epigenetics? Yeah. Isn't
0: that what that is? Uh,
1: not necessarily. No? no. Okay. I would say that's more of like a like a, a spiritual...
0: Like fears content. and stuff passed on yeah. through, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so like if uh, one of my ancestors got eaten by a dinosaur, you know, or no, I guess somebody saw that, you know, and maybe my, it's in my genes somehow, or now I'm horrifically afraid of spiders for no reason.
1: It's written there somewhere. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, things get, you know, passed down. And I, could, I, I think it also could be like energetically, spiritually. There's, there's things that are just around us that sometimes we end up picking up and taking in. And when we yeah. take those things in, it takes hold of us. For sure. allowing it to kind of just pass through. Right.
0: Uh, are you part of a school where you're at up in San Francisco? or uh, we, How did you get linked up with doing the this, this speech here?
1: Um, the organizer Julie I've known for several years we had a mutual friend we connected on Facebook and um, she got me a few other uh, gigs connected me with different homeschoolers I've been helping out in the homeschooling world with a few different organizations you know helping them with websites with marketing with media um, and then with speaking as well so that's kind of how I got tied into, right, like, right. into all of this and we just connected really well and you know Julie's an amazing you know yeah. uh, freedom fighter and lover and you know just wants good for the children and she's been doing you know homeschooling since I think her oldest is 16 or, or 17 okay. <clears throat> so she's been doing it since the beginning and she's been putting up a, a good fight Yeah, you know, especially in San Francisco area
0: Uh. The, I, was, I was wondering, too, I wonder if there's any families that have one kid homeschool and one kid not. It's got to be somewhere, right?
1: Maybe depending on age, yeah. I, I don't know. Right. Any, I can't say too many that I've, or I can't, right. I can't say any that I would know offhand. Um, I would imagine if, if you're homeschooling or doing alternative education, it's, you know, because of a lifestyle. Yeah. A, a belief of you have a better possible outcome. Right, right,
0: right, outcome. Well, I, I was wondering that because I was wondering if it's ever up to the kid. Like oh, what if they yeah, don't I wanna know. be homeschooled, you know what I mean? I know
1: I know parents that, that give that option. Okay. Um, at what age? Usually that's gonna happen, I think like around-
0: you know, Teenage years, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Do you
0: have a recommendation on like when to start? Like, I mean, or when to ever let them go to public school or do you think any of that's worthwhile?
1: I mean it it really again is case by case basis. Right. Depends on your your family, depends on the kid, depends on everything. I everything's meant to work out the way that it's supposed to. Right. And you just have to make the best decisions based on the information given at the time. Yeah. There's I, a learning process.
0: For myself, I'm I'm thinking like until high school. Yeah. Just because I know Man, that was so important to me being able to uh, go on my own. Like, once you get your license, once you're 16, and going out into the world and everything, and I'm not home all the time, or even just your friends having licenses and cars. Yeah. And just tagging along. See, you
1: can take the, the good things of what school has to offer and figure out a way to replicate that. You know, creating other systems, creating other. Um, options and opportunities for the children. Right. Um, we have the same capacity, if not better, to be able to create some kind of option that will offer the same uh, benefits that school and
0: Yeah. I was thinking more about the relationships with other kids, too, and like, yeah, just being able to go out there and
1: figure it out on your own, you know? Yeah, but you can create that. Yeah. Right? Like, you can create high school dances, you can create, you know, um, sports teams in your community. Yeah, you're, you can create, right, you're right. you right. know, you can have a community center somewhere where, you know, the kids can have autonomy to go to this area or this park or they can choose to go to an amusement park or go yeah. somewhere with friends, you know?
0: True. True. Never thought about that, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And it can even be at people's houses. Right. So the way that I envision homeschooling is like you really only need like four or five families okay you my my work i would say that started about seven years ago eight years ago was like how can we make homeschooling available to every family on the planet what can we do because typically there's financial barriers time barriers right these are the main barriers of why people say that they can't homeschool If they actually think of it as a possibility or that that they want to do it. Most don't want because they believe in the system. For sure. So it becomes about time and money. So I was trying to figure out, you know, talking to hundreds, if not thousands of homeschoolers, um, even around the world, figuring out what is their system? What is their dynamic? How do they operate? And what I've found in the, in the patterns is like it, you have to create, you know, your own little tribe essentially. And you know, you need a, a minimum of at least three or four other families. And what I've found that works the best is like people just trade and operate right in, within each other. You know, you takes create your own little school, it community takes, to raise a village to raise a kid. <laughs> exactly. It takes a village to raise a child. And you know, let's say that we'll take the systematic five day work week. Okay. Depending on what jobs people have, you can take a single parent, single income family or a single parent, maybe, you know, working two jobs, for instance, Um, uh, couples working two jobs and both parents uh, having dual income. Uh, Regardless of across the board, there's going to be different options of what you guys can have. Right. So then, you know, let's say all of these people are going to take one day a week. Right. I'm going to take, you know, the mornings, I'm going to take the evenings, I'm going to take a Wednesday, I'm going to take a Thursday. So, you know, you're good at martial arts and boxing and other things. Okay, so maybe you're going to do, you know, PE and martial arts and then add a few other things in there as well, right? Someone might have a financial background and they can take the kids for that day and work on all the math and um, finances, you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you got to reach out. So it's creating that network within your own yeah. community and really all that you can find four people. You can find three, yeah, three yeah. other families that you say, Hey, let's, you know, let's get together and create something. Right.
0: Did you find that uh, <laughs> there was one country that had more homeschoolers than others? Like is there one country that's just I mean, like, I,
1: I believe the U S has the most There's, oh, okay. homeschooling is actually still illegal in a few countries. Is it really? Yeah. Illegal? Yeah, yeah. And I spoke to a few families that are like kind of doing it under underground. What countries? Like I think over in Germany and I think um, in Switzerland. And wow, that's
0: crazy to say Switzerland because I was gonna say like, I wonder if like in Europe they have more homeschoolers because it seems like they're so put together.
1: No, the the schools are better in Europe. Yeah. The the standard like compulsory education right, is right. much better in Europe. Okay. So that's I think another reason of why homeschooling is less. Right, right, there. right.
0: They're actually turning out good adults. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: Finland has some of the best education out there. Okay. Right? But they spend a lot of time outdoors. They they don't right. do homework. They You know, it's four day weeks. Yeah, exactly. So the kids have a lot more time to to actually learn and be children rather than, you know, memorizing robots. Right, 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 right. Robots, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's the standardization factor, right? That's the thing that I started out with my talk uh, pretty much every time is standardization leads to rigidity and rigidity causes things to break. Oh, I like that. Right. And going back to your, you, you were saying that some structure is needed. Yes, definitely. Some structure is needed because otherwise we'd just be this like nothing. But I look at life as kind of like a a biotensegrity unit, right? Where you have the structures, the bars that are all there, but then none of them are touching, but it creates this beautiful structure because, um, the, the bands, elastics are what is perfectly pulling the structure. To keep it in tune. Right, right, right. Right. So the question then comes: What is necessary to start with?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. With the
1: structure or with the fluid and flexibility. Hmm.
0: Well, dude, this is a good talk. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to uh, talk about, or anything you want put out there, or? No. I
1: think no. So. As good as I mean, are there any messages that? Um, stood out to you that you would like to share with Rogue or yeah know, I mean part, anything.
0: I uh, I really want to start being more open to being okay with everything changing uh-huh. because I'm still one of those parents who <clears throat> uh, I don't want to say I believe in the system but I'm unwashing the brainwash that I had. So there's still remnants of me trying to cling to what I think is good about it. Instead of just being like wholeheartedly going into, like I'm I'm thinking to myself, it can't be all bad. But then I'm looking at myself, I'm like, no, here, come on. Name some good, like, it's like I'm trying to convince myself that the old way has merit when I know it doesn't. And so I think, you were saying how, like, uh, environment, different experiences might not be my time to teach her something. Like, everything is a factor. And I think I need to get more on board with allowing those things to be okay with me. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, why can't we just sit down and do it right now? It's 10 o'clock. We should be doing math. Like, yeah. that part I need to rewire for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. So,
1: and some children, you know, work and operate in that way, but it can't be in a forceful, right, way, right. We can, we can always create outcomes with a push or a pull and it's always better to have a pull, right? It's always better to have an inviting, embracing moment because then we're not creating force, force creates dissonance, dissonance. You know, that.
0: Sometimes I feel like and this might sound—I don't know—but sometimes I feel like I'm almost manipulating her because I'm like <clears throat> in like the pants situation or the shirt situation. Where are like, "Oh, you want to wear this?" No. Okay. Well, how about this one or this one? Oh, okay. And then it totally chills her, and she has these options. I'm like, I feel like I'm just waving the magic cards in front of her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just dazzling her. Like my grandpa used to say, dazzling with bullshit, you know? Uh, it, sometimes it feels like that when I'm using these little tricks of the trade that I've learned through uh, homeschooling with my wife and listening to podcasts, honestly.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been a, uh, a big help.
1: And I mean, kids need a little bit of facilitation right. with that, right? Right, right, right. If we... If we did absolutely nothing, yes, they would probably still be fine. But if we have our structure and system, if people are, you know, working in, in the system, they have certain boundaries. So it's like, okay, well, we need to be quick, we have to get out the door, we have to go do this. So right. let's just put this on your your um your choices right now don't really matter, but it's okay, you'll get over it. Right. Okay? So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. choosing the battles. And like some people might say it's manipulation, but it's just like Yes, I'm going to convince you because of the environment that we're in right now that this shirt or this shirt is the op- is right. the only options really because we have to go, yes, we can try on all the shirts if you want, but that's going to take 20 or 30 minutes and right. you want to do different things. Or you know maybe you're going to a special event and they need to dress up a certain way, but they want maybe to... Maybe it's raining outside and you can't wear exactly. a skirt. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that was it was the other day. But... Th- there are times where it's okay. Let them wear a skirt in the rain. Let them be naked in the in the forest. Let them, you know, run around in the rain.